Welcome to the Televerse, streaming in place. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the end of week eight, streaming in place. Uh, it's been it's been a roller coaster of a ride, our adventure with Lucifer season three here on the podcast. Uh, but I'm excited because for the first time this season, we are joined by friend of the show, Latoya Ferguson, friend of the show and noted Lucifer expert, Latoya Ferguson. So welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for joining us. And hey guys. is there anything that you've wanted to shout at the podcast for the past several episodes? Uh, yeah, I guess. Uh, so I actually, I wanted to show up, uh, for both, uh, welcome back Charlotte Richards and Candy Morningstar, mm-hmm. but I had work calls like at the same time, for both episodes. So that really sucked. <laughs> I'm like, I want to talk with you guys. And I couldn't. And that sucked. Um, let's see. You guys talked about wardrobe. I told Kate it was probably a different wardrobe department because of the, the move from Vancouver to LA. Uh, let's see. She has notes. I have notes. Yeah. yeah. I, have, I have notes in addition to my like notes for the episode. Um, I know, let's see, Noel, you asked, why did Pierce make Dan the union rep? Well, he even told Chloe that is, that's jobs for has-beens. So that's exactly why he did it. Can't talk about that yet. <laughs> uh, Great. Great. No, 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 it's for this episode. That's why. Uh, <laughs> as the resident Smallville expert also of the podcast, I can say Tom Welling was never this stiff on Smallville. Never. Um, I think it's very much a directing thing, like a directing choice, basically, for the character and for him. Uh, and I also just like rewatched like, a, just a couple of like, behind the scenes videos with like uh, Tom Welling and Tom Ellis, Tom and Tom. Uh, both six three actors, which is like finding a unicorn, I guess. <laughs> um, and just like watching them, their back and forth, and, like their banter. So it's like it's not just Tom Welling's personality or something. So yeah, it, it seems like it was very much a director choice for uh, him to become Lieutenant Bland, as you guys call him. Um, I will say when I was on set uh, when they were filming season three, Tom had already wrapped for the season, so I did not get to meet him. But mm-hmm. I got to meet well Tom Welling. Yeah, I met everyone else though, so okay. that was delightful cool that is um, such a strange thing that there's like good chemistry between the actors and then they're like okay we're gonna start filming now don't be interesting like flatline yeah i mean <laughs> i i know why because we've I've, you know latoya and i have seen this whole season so we know like reasons that they might make choices like that for the character but like they're dumb they're dumb reasons <laughs> and let's see one more chloe morning, morning uh, sorry uh uh, Vegas with some radish episode uh, notes is that I love that the ugly clown painting from Good Day to Die is still there. He he kept his <laughs> promise and kept that painting, and that's yeah. what like uh, he covers his safe with. Yeah. Oh, no. I didn't catch that. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are talking here about uh, episode uh, uh, seven off the record, and Noel, it's your turn to say called it. <laughs> Oh, what did, which part did I call this? Is time? this the episode about journalism? Oh, it is, but it's not an episode about no <laughs> about journalism. But it has a journalist. journalist. Yeah, yeah. It I'm does trying to give you a win. Take the win. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of this episode? So I really, really liked this episode for a couple of reasons. Um, one of the top reasons being Patrick Fabian, who is just one of those guest actors that shows up on anything. And you're immediately like, all right, A, he probably did it. And B, <laughs> I'm in for a good time. Because Patrick Fabian is a t- terrific, terrific television actor. Um, and it was what I well, I found really funny was about halfway through the episode, um, I was thinking to myself, man, Patrick Fabian would be great in like a anthology series of some kind. 
And part of this is in my brain because um, my partner's watching The Twilight Zone right now. And I was just like, he'd be really good in The Twilight Zone. He's just got all the right look and everything for it. And then I feel like that, and my partner and I got into a slight, like, conversation about this last night. I feel like this is Lucifer doing a Twilight Zone episode just with, like, Lucifer stuff in it. Mm. Um, and I was just like, it ha- I was right, I was right about this too. Um, so I, I really, really like this episode. I think it's really good. I think it's a good way of, like, just doing something really different with the Lucifer format, but in a way that feels very Lucifer. Um, I have like one big quibble with it and we can get to that later, but I think this is a really, really, really good episode. Yeah. Fabian absolutely has like original Twilight Zone energy, Mm -hmm. like the every man kind of, he's got, he's got the right face and energy and like, yeah, he would be great in that. And I, I hadn't thought of that, but this does, this is very much a, lucifer as the twilight zone kind of episode so i think that's a really great call um allison what did you think of it oh i hold hold on i feel like i need to um oh no no it's good this time (laughs) jesus christ that's such a big bottle this is a really good episode allison what is wrong with you it's, it's going in my coffee um i I liked this so much that I feel like I almost need to apologize to the episodes of the season I ha- I didn't like. And I don't have to because those episodes were not good. Yeah. <laughs> However, um, I w- two of my very favorite kinds of stories, which coincidentally are also sort of a, a piece, um, are I really love when a TV series is willing to do an episode that's like, nope, this is its own thing. This is, we're going to tell this story and that's what it's going to be. This like little tiny pocket, narrative pocket of storytelling. I also love um, when you arrive at an ending and you're like, oh God, that is like vicious. Yeah. That's so perfect that it's mean. <laughs> And I love both of those things, and this is is both of those things. Yeah. It's got what you would call like bottle episode energy, even though it's obviously not a bottle episode um, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but it's so focused on what it's doing in a way that doesn't divorce it from the rest of the show. It's not a waste of time. You learn more about the characters and um, about Lucifer and Dr. Linda in particular, but also like a little bit about Chloe. Um, It certainly is a a resonant exploration of the themes, um, but you get to enjoy it for what it is. And it's just, it's, I wish that more TV shows, and this is to Noel's point, were willing to commit to telling short stories yeah. because often when they do, it ends up illuminating the larger story. They did almost, almost did that on Outlander this season with an episode that was focused on um, uh, what on the Outlander podcast I'm on, we were calling the Beardsley's House of Horrors, which was just like yeah. sort of its own thing. And it's so successful because it's just, if you do it right... It makes everything around it bigger, but you get to focus in a way that's incredibly satisfying. And especially when you can anchor it on a guest performance like this one. Yeah. It's like um, other, I mean, there are many great examples, but Blink and Doctor Who is sort of the classic example of it exists on its own, but it also illuminates everything else that's going on. And I just, I enjoyed it the whole way through. Patrick Fabian is amazing. Um, it is the conclusion is so satisfying. The reveal is so satisfying all like every step of the way. I was like, yes, 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 yes. This is maybe my favorite episode of the show so far. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Not the 10 hour movie, but the 43 minute one, Marcus says. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, this is, uh, I really, I'm glad that we're all, I'm, I mean, spoiler, I, <laughs> Latoya, I know how you feel about this episode. Um, I'm glad that we're all on the same page. Um, and I also, while we're shouting out Patrick Fabian, we also have to shout out John Billingsley, who is also mm-hmm. fantastic yeah. in yeah. his smaller role. But I think comparing this to Blink or to that episode of Outlander from this season that I don't remember. Um, those are excellent comparison points because like that episode of Outlander is like, finally, this is what it took for us to get Jamie and Claire scenes. And they're so good. And yeah. by getting because there's a reason that we're not seeing anybody else. So a lot of our favorite characters on the show have not been in the episodes that we have liked the best because they haven't had the time for everyone because there's so many characters that we like, like Maze is barely in this. She gets she shows up enough that it makes sense. And we don't go, why is Maze not there? Uh, but that's all she's needed. And there's no Amenadiel, and there's no Charlotte Richards, and there's no a lot of stuff. There's no Trixie. But what we do get, the stuff we get with Dr. Linda is so good. There there was some Charlotte Richards of lover, stepmom, <laughs> Yeah, that made me laugh. <laughs> it's very good. Um, but this, so this episode I really liked uh, the first time I watched it. But rewatching it for this, I thought it was just even more fun and more satisfying. Because you can see what's coming and you can just appreciate each fold in the you know as, as you're going through each time like the reveal of linda and these different things that are going along the way so for me this is one that i really liked on first viewing and i even i think it holds up and even maybe even gets a little better on rewatch how do you feel about that latoya oh yeah definitely so i uh, absolutely adore this episode uh, if you read my very very long review of the episode on the av club you will see how much i love it and i, I i'm actually going to quote a bunch of it for this episode <laughs> because oh I'm just please like, do oh god I love uh, that so much. I'm about to quote something, but first, uh, just about like the short story, like kind of like anthology episode. Um, that's why I think like Tales from the Dark Side is like the best Riverdale episode. And then like when they tried to do it again, they did it poorly. Uh, the Riley Keough episode, which is like the last episode I wrote about for the show. Um, but in terms of like uh, both Patrick Fabian and John Billingsley, here's like the first thing I want to say, like quote from the review, which is, um, it speaks to Lucifer's entire existence as a procedural and television series in general that upon seeing the episode cast list and noticing Patrick Fabian's name, I said to myself, oh, he did it. Yeah. For that is to be expected of Patrick Fabian, whether it it is dating his freshman college student or making crash test dummies even scarier. Sure, series like Veronica Mars have used the existence of Patrick Fabian as a way to subvert the assumption that he did it. But in our heart of hearts, we all know that even if he, even if you just know him as that guy, pops up on a series he did something <laughs> yeah, <laughs> now now upon yeah now upon reading that Pat- patrick Fabian was playing dr lynn's ex-husband because uh as much of a surprise uh, uh, is it in the episode like uh synopsis unfortunately spoiled that part huh. but that kind of sucks but yeah um uh, the and character actor john billingsley was also in the episode the obvious oh he did it came right back around it's television science at its finest <laughs> oh good stuff yeah, no, it's it's super fun. And, and like the, again, the structure of it, I think works works really well. Lurkus's Lark- all the whiteboard gags are very good. And they are very good. And like, because this, it would be easy for this episode to be too dour or dark, but they find the, the levity where they need to um, in like with the whiteboard, for example, and these, these littler moments, because uh, it's, it's an episode that's very driven by everything that Fabian is doing and, and you know, that that character is doing. But there there's humanity there's uh there's there's humor there's some just other little things peeking through 
in just the right amount to make it so it is not too oppressive uh, of an episode. And then they hit you with the ending and you go, of course. Uh, did anybody call it? I figured it out like right, right beforehand. Like it like just yeah, kind as of- it was yeah. happening yeah like on was, the ascent yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah same i was just like and then i went oh they did that they made sure to remind us what hell is like and then i went back and i just went oh it was there all along and because yeah. i thought I, I figured that we were just getting like a weird retcon type of thing to fill in linda's backstory because that is exactly what this show would do and expect you to roll with it and you'd be mm-hmm. fine so like pulling that rug out from underneath you uh, i think it's just really really delightful and also, like, it makes, like, the nurses, like, just a little brush with death line at the beginning seem less flippant and then, like, horrifying, actually. Yeah. As it's just like, oh, he just keeps getting this on a loop. Mm-hmm. I, um, I, it's not so much a quibble as, like, I sort of expected that this was going to happen and then it didn't. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, as we were heading into the, the beginning of the next loop, um, I thought, oh my God, they're going to leave this ambiguous. We're not going to know, is this hell? Or did we just see the end and now we're seeing the beginning? Um, and I think, you know what, As even, is it, even as I'm saying it out loud, I think maybe I'm glad that they didn't. I appreciate that it was played so straight that they kept that in their back pocket in such a way that it was a really satisfying surprise. But as Noel said, seemed like perfect and inevitable and oh, it was there the whole time. Like that's the mark of a truly great ending, right? When it surprises you and seems inevitable all at once. Um, But there was right up until they zoomed out on that door, there was a chance that we were just seeing the sort of this man making the same mistake over and over again. um, And it's kind of implied by the fact uh, that we see that scene twice. Um, but I th- I think I'm changing my mind as I speak out loud. I think I like <laughs> that it's not ambiguous. I think I like that it's this vicious little fairy tale. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, it, this is a, a brief side tangent, but I, I want to encourage everyone listening, um, whether you watch Riverdale or not, to go find Latoya's review of the Riverdale afer- episode she referenced um, because uh, I've never been so satisfied maybe ever reading a tv review because she literally quits mid-review <laughs> it's like you know what i don't think i can take this anymore uh i think this is my last maybe i'll change my mind but i think this is my last episode of riverdale i think maybe it is it just broke her part way through it's a it's a really, it really satisfying read oh man um scotty says the um uh, the brush with death line jarred me. What medical professional would say that? And then at the end, it was so good. It's even more vicious that someone who knows the truth about hell, the fact that the doors aren't locked and you can't, you can just leave, still stays there. Yeah. Um, it's really, yeah, it's really impactful. Well, that that was the thing is like Lurker says that he doesn't remember, but also where the fuck's that door exactly? <laughs> <laughs> the door yeah. is a metaphor. Uh, the door also- is a metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you just take it as a metaphor, he has there are multiple points in the episode like yeah. where he could stop. He yeah. could just stop this, yeah. but he never does. He's given numerous outs by numerous characters and he keeps going. And that's well, the thing. And it's why it's such a satisfying metaphor for mm-hmm. um the way that 
that we can sometimes fall into really self-destructive patterns, especially when it comes to the end of romantic relationships, Mm -hmm. where we just keep assuming that all we have to do is fix it as opposed to recognizing that it's broken. Mm -hmm. Um, The really perverse thing, of course, being that if such a thing was ever fixable, acknowledging that it's broken is the only way to go about fixing it. And the one time that he attempts to do this is in a very good place in way. His motivations are so wrong that it could never possibly work. Um, so it's it's got that sort of perfect Lucifer balance of here is a story in which the devil is real and is a character in our series. And also we're baking in this series of quiet revelations about the way that we conduct ourselves and our mental health it just was really yeah. really solid it's like the moment you think he possibly gets it is when he he goes to linda and he apologizes and he yeah. like takes ownership for all of the things he did in the relationship but then he basically says oh i only did this because i figured we could get back together after i said that yeah it's it like- would be like it would be like if latoya quit writing about riverdale in that recap and then kept <laughs> writing about it and in every episode was just like riverdale why aren't you better and then kept writing the reviews anyway and every review was exactly the same it's like that <laughs> That'd be pretty terrible. Okay, that was just subtweeting my error reviews in season three, and I don't really appreciate that. I mean, I you you could also just keep writing because you need the money, which is why I was writing about Arrow in season six. But season seven was good. Season seven yeah. was good. Um, yes. And I think the like the mention of like the Linda and him coming to apologize kind of leads into my quibble, um, which Worker sort of alluded to with referencing that it is sort of a retcon which is their big issue with it my issue with it is is that this is a linda story that's not told from linda's perspective and it's really kind of frustrating for me a little bit of like we're getting some fleshed out stuff about linda's who linda is who she was but she doesn't get to have like a great deal of like movement within this story because of what the nature of the story and that's a little frustrating for me. Um, it's like my big thing about the episode is that we finally get like a Linda episode, but it's not a Linda episode. Um, okay. Yeah. I don't want to spoil things, obviously, for you, but like, sh- should I say something that will kind of make Noel feel better? Yeah. <laughs> uh, they like this isn't dropped in this. Like they do follow up with this, and we right. do get like like Linda's actual, you know. Like her ex-husband does die, so we have to deal with that. Um, but also, like, because it's not a Linda episode also, the thing is. Uh, there's one thing I note in my review is that um, because this is all from Reese's uh, terrible perspective, like, it can be, it can, might seem that Linda's, like, sort of extra cold or, like, um, not the usual Linda that you would see in an episode. Uh, but I said, like, if you rewatch it, like, if you just watch her, um, like, just watch Linda but like don't watch Reese's reaction to Linda. It's like, no, Linda is uh, the same as she ever is. Yeah. It's just that Reese is so out of control. He's not realizing this, but yeah, and the thing is, it's, it, I understand being upset. If you're like, this is a Linda episode, it's, it's, but it's not a Linda episode. It's a thing. It's like, it's a, it's a hell episode really. Yeah. Well, and I help us. A help episode. Correct, uh, cor- <laughs> correct me. Um, if I have, this wrong Latoya, but I don't think we've gotten a Linda episode yet. No. Uh, and also, so this and Vegas was a marriage were both actually, I believe those were the two season two that were actually filmed during season two. The next two were filmed like at the end of season three. Um, so it's, I think the show does a good job of fitting both of these episodes into this season. Uh, and then uh, following up on them that way. It doesn't seem like, well, this doesn't really fit which is surprising like that's honestly surprising when you think about it that they were able to like make it function 
um, in the season. They do make it function, but at the same time, they're still in the season two precinct when they should have been in the season one precinct for some of this. And I got it, you know. No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna let them. I'm not gonna let them live that down because it's just bad. It's bad continuity. They're not gonna go find like this office space they use for season. Oh no, one. I demand this that they is do. My favorite hill to die on. It's just like we have nitpicked some truly ridiculous things in these conversations, but this one is my favorite because i literally don't even notice and you notice every i mean i notice but like in theory like half of the episode should have been super dark like visually dark yeah but no the sun was out they were actually in la they should have gone all the way back to vancouver to film this episode you guys i I (laughs) love it they should have no they actually weren't they were still in vancouver when they filmed this obviously (laughs) but yeah but yeah they should have just like turned off all the lights uh went back to that office space lurker of course agrees with you but (laughs) (laughs) um i enjoyed that from lurker all caps it's a problem. The precinct is a problem. And fair enough. You know what? You can tell that it's filmed at the same time as season two, though, because I was watching this with my parents and they both keyed into that as well. Like, this even looks and feels like a previous because they're, they're, they're really not. They're still very hung up on Lieutenant Bland. And it's really even the episodes that they've liked, which has been actually at this point, a majority of season three. They're still having trouble. Um, but Point being, they're like, see, they even they, their clothes look right, and the everything looks right. It feels right, and it's because this was filmed with the same teams as I'm, season one. I apologize three. to your parents, Kate. <laughs> yeah, I, no, tell but... them I personally apologize. <laughs> I will let them know they are very entertained by our concern for them. Actually, so <laughs> I will pass that along. Um, let's talk about Dr. Linda a little bit more because I really love what we get for for her here. Um, the care that they give to—I mean, like, what else would we expect for Dr. Linda, but the way that they, the tone that they strike for her throughout the episode, I think really works. And I particularly like how empathetic and uh, kind she is when Reese barges in to tell her, uh, tell her about that he's actually the devil. And after she knows, I like, that's something that didn't hit me as strong the first time I watched it. Um, But again, it's sort of like you were saying, Latoya, about watching her versus watching just the episode i thought that that they really nailed her and i thought there was so much empathy throughout that even though this is not a linda episode uh i was really appreciating what rachel harris was able to do and what they were given her to work with yes uh rachel harris is very uh good in this episode um i mean rachel harris is always good when is she's not when is she not good yeah. tell me someone tell me <laughs> It <laughs> yeah. Could you like insert some like a uh, cricket audio, Kate, to make sure everyone knows? <laughs> okay. That no okay. one. Yeah. No one can. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, no. No. I. I don't think that there is. No. There's not. She's really good just throughout. That's why she gets the and. Yeah. It is. It is why she gets the and. She's and Rachel Harris, and don't you forget it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The timeline in the comments, people are going back and forth trying to figure out the timeline for the episode. That was a bit of stumbling block in my viewing. Uh, party as well um but i again don't think about it i think that having again to go back to the whiteboard the okay so this is post charlotte richards at least somewhat yeah was very helpful um yeah it's like he after like a year he at least they've gotten to the point where he knows that uh charlotte is possibly lucifer's stepmother and that takes place very late uh in yeah. season one for them like season two i mean for them no and he still yeah. has his job somehow despite the Carrie Matheson bunker. Yeah. <laughs> that is his well, office. And having having written twelve things in a year. I like 12, to believe that he totally. was living there in his office for an entire year. Maybe, maybe the 
L.A. What was it? The L.A. Bugle? What the Telegraph. Telegraph. The L.A. Thank Telegraph. You. The um, most just. It's just perfect. Maybe the L.A. Telegraph unionized, so they yeah. were. So it was more difficult for him to be fired. Yeah, it seemed like he had whatever is a uh, newspaper tenure. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because yeah. that's a thing. I also appreciated that Chloe went to him with the comments. It's just like, why did you come to him for these comments? That's yeah. not all. Oh, I bought that. If you have a contact somewhere, like I would just. Yeah, Scotty rightly says, I guess the Pulitzer gets you tenure. So does Cara maybe... Danvers have tenure? That would explain a lot. That would it explain would. a lot. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, Cara Danvers has a Pulitzer, you guys. See, I, I know it's just wild. I um, I actually totally buy that they would just go to the person that they have a connection with, uh, because dealing with bureaucracy is a nightmare. So, like calling the fact check desk or whatever, being like, "Hello, can we please get this?" Then it takes a zillion hours. Whereas if you happen to know someone who also happens to have a Pulitzer and kind of owes you a favor, and you think you have a good relationship with, because Chloe doesn't know what happened after she left that interrogation room. Which, by the way, the, the whole episode was structured just beautifully. But that sequence, the I was like, well, obviously something is going to happen to make him change his mind about this conclusion that he's come to, which was totally justified. Fabian totally sold it. And realizing what was going to happen when Lucifer re-entered was incredibly satisfying. Anyway, I buy that they would have just jumped right to their the person they think is their pal at the LA Post Herald. <laughs> uh, Marcus says I get obsessed with timelines and some shows really break me trying to figure it out. And that yeah, that's where I'm at with this is the timeline for the episode I think is clear, but the timeline for Lucifer the show is not that's no. the one that I have more trouble with. The the impression I get is that Reese was following along with Chloe and Lucifer for a while. Like mm-hmm. not a short time. It was like it basically obviously we know these uh cases take place like in a day or two. But in this case, uh, this was a longer case, probably the length of an actual homicide case. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to say I appreciate um, uh, that whiteboard in general. And uh, Latoya shared an image of that that maybe we can also share on Twitter. Um, but one of the I had a little giggle of a moment when I was trying to piece out what he was trying to figure out. Uh, and it said Malcolm Graham. And I was like, wait, who's Malcolm Graham? Malcolm <laughs> Malcolm Palmetto, right. Uh, I also would like, and I'm curious if y'all have any opinions about this. I love watching actors who are um, typically the leads on their own show get maneuvered into a supporting role because there's a way to do that well and a way to do it badly. Uh, And if you're doing it well, it's difficult to notice. And if you're doing it badly, it becomes obvious right away. Uh, But I think Tom Ellis was great at it. He, he felt like a supporting character in this episode. He did not Mm -hmm. feel like the lead and seemed to alter his performance specifically um, to suit the way that the story was being told, like just slightly put a, like, mm, like an actor bit of a wink on, oh, well, who is the guy you're trying to punish, right? Like it just, it it sold it just enough for me where I believed that Lucifer hadn't actually made that connection. And I believe that Tom Ellis was kind of nudging us in the ribs about it. I just, I just think he was really, really marvelous this episode in a way that served the story very well. I think there's definitely sort of an Ellis like rib cage nod. Um, because when they're in Linda's office and he's burst in for uh, Reese's burst in for the first time and they're still talking about it, and you can see Ellis like turning Lucifer's wheels. And then he looks like off frame like he does like a quick like sideways glance off frame of like wait could it be me 
But then it just maybe he doesn't quite get there type yeah. of thing. Like my partner's like maybe, but he doesn't he doesn't quite get there because he doesn't figure it out until like later. And I think you're right. I think that it's one of the things that a it's on performance level, but b you need something to fill that vacuum, which is why getting someone like Patrick Fabian to play Reese makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Um, but also just having a really compelling story also really helps. Because um, my partner compared this to that different Doctor Who episode, the one with like the time hunters supernatural hunters people who like were like aware of the doctor but couldn't like find the doctor i don't know oh yeah that one it's one of the doctor lights well the the unfortunate blowjob joke yeah maybe yeah uh love and monsters yeah yeah love and monsters yeah yeah um so that was just really weird um no sorry it wasn't weird but like that was the touch point for her was that episode um in comparison for this um so i think you just need like a really good combination of effects to make it work but i think you're right in that ellis's performance is calibrated to suddenly be a supporting actor role and it's really well done but he's also a really good supporting actor like my partner and i have been watching a little bit of miranda every now and then um and he's it's weird watching him in Miranda in the early aughts compared to now. Um, but he's very good in that as well, in like a very kind of supporting actor kind of role. And I can see that just working really smoothly here. Yeah. The other thing that I really like about Lucifer taking so long to figure out the like his connection to Reese, that he's the guy, is because Lucifer, like, because of the strength of his relationship with Linda and the fact that no she you guys are separated divorced and have been for forever linda is not your wife who you're desperately in love with and trying to rebuild and you have this strong connection because he knows linda yeah and so he's look viewing that from her perspective and not from reese's and yeah yeah, i totally buy it 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 shouldn't like you shouldn't buy it but we do because of the character and the history and also because the performances yeah yeah because he because reese keeps saying you know my wife so it was first like thinking his wife and then it's like realized that linda's his ex-wife it's like well that's that couldn't be what he's talking about because he's talking about his wife not his ex-wife and yeah. it's like yeah it's kind of roundabout but it's like yeah this makes sense this checks out <laughs> why <Linda>? lurker says <laughs> uh but also linda has never talked about an ex-husband before cough retcon but why cough. would she exactly yeah i'm okay with it because of that <laughs> it's not like because like the, the obvious uh, reason would be either talking to chloe about dan or yeah. charlotte about god but they never really had those conversations what do we actually know about linda that she possibly lives in her office and that she was a <laughs> phone sex operator in college yeah right yeah and that she, she she's done some things yeah. Keenan says, I thought life. there was a throwaway ref- reference early in season one. Was there not? And I'm not sure. That could have been. Um, also, we know she has an uncle who's a bad man of Jamba. And that's, <laughs> <it>. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's about it. Um, do we have any final thoughts about this episode besides it's really, really good? I, I, do, I do appreciate that Reese didn't manage to figure out that Amenadiel was an angel. Instead, he was just Dr. Cannon. <laughs> 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 and it's just like, oh... Uh, that whiteboard is really great. Yeah, the whiteboard's um, the best. Really, really, and not comically over the top, like just unhinged enough. Yeah, it was really even really down cool. to the whole like accidentally erasing the vulnerable. Wait, I got it. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I just really loved it. Uh, I feel like it's gonna go in my like 
personal tiny box of TV episodes that I think are pretty close to perfect. Mm -hmm. And those are all over the map, right? There are like episodes of The Wire that are pretty close to perfect. And there are episodes of Golden Girls that are pretty close to perfect. And all of them that this is one of them. (laughs) It's maybe it's maybe not my favorite episode of Lucifer, but it might be. And it's definitely the one that feels the most whole to me. I think it's just perfect. Exactly as it is. Latoya, did you have any final thoughts on this episode? Before we throw it to you with our questions about season three. Oh, boy. There's a Q&A <laughs> happening. Um, uh, can we talk about the edible sex toys, please? Oh, my no. God. <laughs> yes. not. Were they tentacle porn? Were they tentacle porn no. gummies? No, they were very, they were just very large dildos. They but looked they edible. Didn't, delicious. But they, 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 they looked like tentacle lake to me. Whatever yeah, no, they were, they, they make dildos that long. <laughs> no, I'm not talking about the length. I'm talking about the ends. Scotty said, "Don't put a food dildo inside you." Yeah, don't ever, don't ever. That's why I was thinking maybe they were like tentacles. Lurker <laughs> <laughs> says, "Bag of dildos." Sky says, "You're gonna get an infection." Lurker yeah. says, "Outside plate only." What a fun reveal. Uh, that was a that whole section was really great because of course he had to do like a back alley deal for that bag and of course they were edible sex toys and of course I mean the most obvious one was of course that woman was tied up by choice yeah but like all of it it was just and see whereas I think the best gag in that entire thing is I'm allergic to watermelon it's just like yeah, <laughs> yeah. So good. yeah. Uh, Marcus says Cthulhu role play totally. <laughs> Totally. There's also the like the Regina George ask uh, montage about uh, Lucifer uh, when Reese is asking cops about him, and then there's the last yeah. guy cop who's just like, "It's weird, but this is L.A., so again, don't <laughs> yeah. think about it." Yeah, don't think about it. <laughs> also, Urethra Franklin. Yeah. <laughs> Thumbs up. That was very. That was that was very good. Um, the last thing for me is that I just want to reiterate because we haven't talked about him. Billingsley is really good in this. He's yeah. got like two scenes and he's he's really good. He is yeah. he is straight up scary in his last scene mm-hmm. after being so uh, pathetic earlier. And like they they sell the whole bar interaction like wordlessly really well. And um yeah, he's really yeah. he's really good. Lucifer too, so. again, a great wingman. Uh <laughs> I mean not for that woman. I mean he wasn't her wingman. That's true. <laughs> uh, but also, um, I love that he's a great wingman uh, for Billingsley. Uh, he would be for Reese, but he doesn't find uh, Reese attractive. To which I say, hey, yeah, Patrick Fabian's an attractive man. And in my review, I was like, you know what? In another life and time, Patrick Fabian would be the one cast as Lucifer Morningstar. So how dare you? But then like, after a year, he looks like shit. So yeah. <laughs> after, after that year, he looked rough. <laughs> Definitely. Well, while we have you here, LaToya. Uh, we've had some questions about season three. Oh, no. And and so I'm going to throw it to Allison. Okay. Did you have anything you wanted to to ask about uh, around season three? God, well, I mean, I I feel like I've been saying, man, I wish Latoya was here so I could ask questions all week. And now I can't think of any of them. <laughs> you already talked about the wardrobe thing. Um, do you? Oh, this was this is my big question. Do, do you have any sense of like what the deal is with the shift in tone to more broad strokes characterization in these early episodes like why all of a sudden Ella isn't a human being and why Lucifer occasionally is just playing like the most broad version of himself and why Chloe all of a sudden became like a oh my god 500 whatever flibberty gibbet like what is the what is the deal were they was it just an off streak 
I'd say possibly off streak and also um, possibly just trying to get new viewers, uh, simplify things maybe. Cause you know, uh, Fox sticked it around and I'm not a fan of what Fox did with the show, but whatever. <laughs> so what did Fox do to the show besides cancel it? It was one of those things where they would, you know, like they order four new episodes for the show for season two and then they don't air them. And then they have to figure out the way to put them in season three. And then literally they were working. I was in the writer's room when I was on set, so I couldn't really look at the board, uh, but they were working like breaking season four. Uh, and then they got canceled. So like, you know, they're getting ready. And then Fox kind of like just pulls the rug out from underneath them. Mm. It's a lot of that. And it's like, give them a, a, this huge season. And then, you know, but we're going to cancel you anyway. Yeah. It's like it, pretending we like you, but we don't. And this is also around the time Fox is like, we're going to go for broader shows anyway, because it's yeah. the same season that Brooklyn Nine-Nine got canceled. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. So getting both of those canceled for like for okay. me, because I was covering both of them, but luckily they both got saved. So It was definitely yeah. you, LaToya. You're, the, I, I, you're the, the thing those shows haven't covered. It seems like it. <laughs> yeah. What else would it be? I wouldn't be su- yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of it was also just like the weird corporate stuff that was happening around 20th Century Fox at this time either mm. um with the impending Disney merger and like those weird shakeups um since like I remember like this week just being a really good example of how irrelevant Fox kind of feels now unless you really like 911 of like Fox punting their whole new season to January and I did not hear about that but I heard about the CW doing it um so I was just like yeah but also Fox just has nothing except for Bob's Burgers now. <laughs> Just renewed for season 11. Yeah. We talked about this in the Tim Decay episode. So like those aired in uh, January, 2017. And then the next episode, Candy Morningstar aired in May. Uh, like, and um, in those episodes, the January ones that was after a break, like uh, that came like in November too. So like they were just like, here, we'll air you whenever we guess uh, a lot of that too. It's just, what day were they airing on? Do you remember? Uh, it was Monday nights, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they had to deal with like football sometimes um, or going against football. Ugh. Yeah. That's rough. And then baseball. Because and they also, has all the baseball. Oh, and here's the other thing, which probably uh, makes a lot of sense. Uh, so it was Mondays at, at nine was the original time slot. Uh, this season, Mondays at eight. Ooh. Oh, that does make a huge difference. Yeah. That makes a big difference, there it actually. Is. Yeah, that's okay. that's what a lot of this is. Then, even though then they got the giant edible dildo jokes in at eight eight o'clock. <laughs> that's that's impressive. <laughs> uh, Latoya, should should we be optimistic now about the rest of this season? I mean, I have my problems. Like Meadow Two Point is one basically a thing to, to worry about for the season. But hey, there was good stuff in season one, even with Palmetto. So. That's true. That is true. Also, I'm still laughing about Malcolm Palmetto. So, <laughs> like, if nothing else, I'll still get some jokes out of it. Yeah, yeah. The Cinderman is just really dumb. But we're gonna get a turn in that, so we can talk about it more next right. week. Right. And as long um, as Tom Ellis doesn't sing the song again. Just he won't, play he'll sing it again, version. but I will. I, I'll come in to talk about some Superman episodes because, as like, much like Palmetto, I'm still like, do I understand what happened? <laughs> Great, can't wait to be <laughs> yeah. confused. Yeah, yeah. There's and good- Lur- yeah, Lurker right. says there's good character stuff the rest of the season. 
great. It is what I was saying, like the Buffy season four thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. There, there are a bunch of good standalones or standalone-ish kind of episodes. Um, it's just the thread, unfortunately, like is connected. Like the season long thread is not great. It's not good. I don't like it at all. Um, and I don't like some of the character things that are coming, but I like a lot of the other character things that are coming in. I can't wait for Ikea. Anyways, that's quite a ways away from now. Uh, let's not worry about that. The thematic stuff is excellent. Lots of discussion. I mean, yeah, that. by season two, I mean, even season one, like, especially on rewatch, like the thematic stuff of the show, like the show always kind of got and always mm-hmm. gets. So that that's always helpful. Yeah. Yeah. More on that next week. Um, until then, thank you guys for hanging out in the chat. Uh, did you, if you have any final thoughts, throw them in there. Today we've been joined by Keenan, Lurker, Marcus, and Scotty. Thank you guys so much. Uh, next week we're coming back for week nine. <laughs> and our first episode <laughs> on Monday is Chloe Does Lucifer. This is episode Gosh, eight. I really hope there's more drunk Chloe doing a British accent. Yeah. I, just... I assume that we've got more Chloe doing lucifer and not chloe doing lucifer um, i'm a british man <laughs> <laughs> i play the piano <laughs> oh, good times good times well until then thank you everyone for listening thank you latoya for coming back of back on this a fancy, fancy british, british man, man right. Sorry. Sorry. i'm a fancy british man <laughs> <laughs> i'm actually welsh <laughs> Good times. Okay, we'll be back next week. Thank you, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.